passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I know you don't believe that I can beat Brock. I don't believe in fairy tales. But I believe. And the Baller Club believes. And at the Royal Rumble, I will defeat Brock Lesnar. And I will reclaim my Universal Championship. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind the ride with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind the ride for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind the ride for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. I'm John Pollock here with Wei Ting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. That is where I'm from. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Still here. Yeah. It's cold out. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Did you go outside on Monday? A little bit. Yeah. I stepped outside for a coffee and a bit of a walk. Yeah. It was like, what, 21? Minus 21? Minus 21. And... One place had listed that the wind chill at one point on Monday morning, this is in Celsius, folks, was at minus 35 with the wind chill. Minus 35. I don't even really know what that feels like, but I mean, I guess I do because I stepped outside today, but um, yeah, that's, it's really damn cold. Sure. I can't believe this. It's just, it's so what, cold. That, 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 you can't believe that temperatures on our planet in this part of the world can get this low. I mean, it happens every year, but I'm just, I'm always astounded that like, what a, what a crazy city we live in. I mean, it's colder in some other places in Canada. We don't even have it the worst. Yeah. It seems like it is. You're right. It's like news at least one time a year. Like the world, at least like everybody here acts like we've never had this happen before. So um, it's like we're surprised every year, you know, like it's not like Christmas, you know, something that happens every year. We expect it. But I guess because cold weather, um, we do expect it, but not necessarily on a certain day. It does come come by surprise. It would be like if Christmas were to like suddenly show up somewhere around January <laughs> to December. And it's like, oh, my God, everybody, it's Christmas outside. Do you, do you feel that today? It's days like this that I've never understood why people use the phrase, hey, man, you've got to chill out. Because that, uh, that equates to, you know, be calm, be, be just uh, less concerned. To me, when I think of chill out, 
That's what I'm thinking of is that beast of the weather that we're dealing with right now. There's nothing fun about it. There's nothing great about chilling out. Chilling out is putting your body into harm's way. And you cannot be out in that cold for too long unless you have full-on protection. If anything, it probably makes people more angry being out in this weather than, you know, if they were hot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I had to, I had to wait for a streetcar today, and it was just a madhouse at 6 o'clock as all these people are piling up on the street. It's freezing out. Everyone's waiting for a streetcar. The streetcar comes. It's packed. I have to go in like it's a, uh, it's like a, it was like a game of Tetris on this streetcar. Everyone's just trying to squeeze onto the streetcar. I was like, this is hell. This is the definition of hell. This streetcar at the moment. Oh, come I was waiting on. For, I was, no, you know, you know hell. what? I heard about Sanjay Dutt's story. That was the definition of hell. Did you hear about that? I heard about that, but I also wouldn't say that that was all. All in all, that bad, but okay. Oh, we'll shut up. That was awful. You're talking about that. You're you're comparing our issues to people that have it far, far worse in other parts of the world. Okay, we can go down the sliding scale, but being trapped on an airplane for 16 hours, of which a door was broken without food in this frigid cold weather, that's pretty awful. It's pretty bad, yes. All right, so... Everything could be worse is the theme of tonight's show. Other than that, uh, tell me about Saturday night. Uh, mine or the world's? Yours. Okay. Um, I I was at home. Uh, I was visiting my, my dad and my brother. And um, I just had a quiet night in, actually. I watched a, I watched a, a few documentaries this weekend. One actually on Tetris, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah, I learned all all about the history of Tetris. Uh, the the fact that you know the guy who originally created it created it under um, communist Soviet uh, Union Russia, and therefore never made a dime on it for several years until uh, it, it was a it's a whole thing like video game like copyrights and in video game history itself is to me very interesting not even because I'm a gamer but because there are some wonderful documentaries that people make on YouTube documenting you know anything related to video games it's it's such a subculture not unlike our own you know in pro wrestling that you know nerds and I mean this in the nicest way have kind of like created this beautiful beautiful like uh archive of of history and, and culture surrounding it so i i dove deep into that i also watched the uh, fire festival documentary on netflix oh don't ruin it i want to watch actually you can talk about it there's I'll, not I'll much get a... not much to ruin like you know what happened this just well, the kinda... fire festival was ruined yeah we, we had a friend who had bought tickets to go on this thing who uh rob mclaren oh okay Wow, which will, which will mean nothing to the people listening to this. Did, did he actually yeah, make, he was, make it? He was. I'm trying to remember the story because this was two years ago, and I remember meeting up with him with a group, and he was explaining this festival to me, and it was the week after it had happened. Maybe he was about to buy tickets, or he actually did buy tickets for it. I can't remember the exact story, but nonetheless, he was uh, at least contemplating going on this thing, and then. This was a week after the disaster occurs, yeah. and he was explaining how awful it would have been. So he didn't go to this, but knowing uh, Rob, yeah, there's now there's two documentaries out on. Yeah, it. but knowing Rob, like, I wish he went because I'm sure he would have been interviewed for one of these documentaries. A hundred percent, 
this guy would have been interviewed everywhere and he probably would have got some kind of deal coming out of it because he would have been so damn funny. But you're right. There are two documentaries, one on Netflix and one on Hulu. And um, the one on Hulu actually features an interview with the guy who, you know, put this whole thing together. Billy, what's what's his name? Who's uh, going to jail right now? Who mm-hmm. might be in jail right now? And the other and ja, one, ja Rule was not happy about these documentaries. Uh, probably not. Yeah, I don't think I would be too happy. How, how too. dare you? How dare you run down my my beautiful festival, which had such a a glowing reputation up until these documentaries came out? Yeah, I don't think I would be happy for anybody even mentioning this this uh this this travesty. But um, yeah, there are two documentaries out there. I've only seen the Netflix one, but I'm very curious to see, to see the two of them because I would say it's a great exercise in like seeing how. Uh, you know, um, how how filtering can really affect somebody's information. So often, like we we look at documentaries as sort of like the one, uh, kind of definitive version of of a story. When you know, for us covering like as many WWE produced documentaries as we do, we certainly know that's not the case. So these two different ones that are produced, um, I think both have their biases. The one of of course, you know, produced by Hulu features this dude billy uh he who was obviously paid to do this interview um they claim that he never had any final say in the final cut and i do believe that but on some level you are getting a bit of a filter the other one was produced with the help of the uh the organization that was hired to do the social media for the festival so um two different filters i would say two different lenses to look at this one event and i I look forward to seeing the other half I think you should watch the second one and then report back to us which one is the rise and fall of ECW and which one is Forever Hardcore by Jeremy Borash. Sure. All right. We got a lot to discuss on tonight's show. It's Royal Rumble week. That means uh, we are going to have a plethora, a plethora of shows coming your way this week. Coming up this week, Tuesday night, rewind to SmackDown. And for our Patreon cafe members, the double shot. Wade, do you know what you're going to be discussing on Tuesday night? Probably a bit of Total Bellas and maybe a bit of Being the Elite, as usual. Are you are you aware who flew home from uh, – uh, at some point, he was on an airplane with the Bella Twins, a UFC champion that admitted on Ariel Helwani's show today that he has a massive crush on Nikki Bella. I'm well aware. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hope this. Uh, I hope Henry Cejudo shows up on a future edition. Can of you Games. imagine Henry Cejudo, who at one time was on the WWE's radar? They were interested in Henry Cejudo and signing him. Uh, did not go that direction. Went the MMA route, and who knows? He may show up on Total Bellas now. I I couldn't imagine. You know who'd be so excited will be Daniel Bryan if Henry Cejudo shows up on Total Bellas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The two brother-in-laws. Oh, I, I feel they'd have way more in common than Brian and John Cena. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she is single, and uh, I think now's would be good timing. It's 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 certainly the first time I've seen somebody try to um, organize a date through Ariel Hawaii. Yeah, Ariel Hawaii show. That was the old name of his show. Yeah. Well, Henry said on the show he is single, trilingual, and ready to mingle. Okay. Um, I'm going to be chatting about last week's Impact Wrestling, and the WWE Network uh, posted 34 episodes of WWF Superstars from 1992. So I couldn't help but not watch one of these. So I'm going to review that. And Which one? 
I'm going to review the June 6th, 1992 edition of Superstars as Mean Gene Okerlund lands an exclusive interview with Papa Shango to explain what he did to the Ultimate Warrior with his curse. Oh, I can't wait. I've probably seen this episode like as a child, but I, I probably wouldn't have seen it since then. So I, I look forward to, to you reminding me. I've seen all of these episodes because this is when I began watching wrestling was this era. I I may watch an episode of Superstars for the next 33 weeks after the after this one. I could get very used to watching these 45-minute shows, which are they're just amazing. Let's at least see. this one was. Let's see. Let's see how long you can keep this up. Okay, let's see. I didn't I didn't start at the beginning because I wanted to pick something ridiculous and I immediately thought of the Papa Shango voodoo angle. So June 6, 1992, it was just a random episode of Superstars that I'll chat about. Uh, so that's coming up Tuesday night if you're a cafe member on Patreon. Wednesday, it's a special edition of the British Wrestling Experience. Uh, Martin Bushby is off, as is Ollie. And in his place will be Benno, who's going to be joined by Will Cooling, of Fighting Spirit Magazine. They'll be chatting all the latest uh, news going over uh, in the British scene. Thursday, we are going to have a special Royal Rumble preview on the Cafe Hangout. And Way and I could only call upon one man to join us for a pay-per-view preview. And that is Jimmy Corderas of Aftermath TV. That is live at 3 p.m. Eastern Time if you are a double-double or higher member of the Cafe. And the audio version of that show will be up free on Friday. Excited to have Jimmy Corderas on the show. Definitely, yeah, in the hangout. Then uh, Thursday as well, Thursday evening, up next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. Friday is the much-requested, much-desired uh, return of Ask Away. There are a lot of questions that have built up in this mailbag over the past two months. Way and I are going to do our best to go through each and every one of them. That comes out this Friday. Uh, for all members of the cafe. Have you taken a peek at the mailbag way? What are we in for on Friday? I think a lot of questions um, from two months ago. So hopefully uh, nothing that's too dated, but um, I, I also see a lot of questions coming in as of like recent over the past week. So I look forward to all of that. And then rounding out the week, it's a very busy weekend as we will have an NXT TakeOver post-show on Saturday night with Braden and Davey, and then Sunday night, myself and Way, right after the Royal Rumble with our own post-show. Uh, that one you can tune in and watch live if you're a double-double or higher member of the cafe, and then the show will be up later that night, and we will be taking phone calls on Sunday night. Yeah, we actually have the capability to do that now. We have a phone number, everybody, so yeah, it'll be exciting. It'll be like old times. It's it's amazing. We have a we have a phone number. Uh, you can also contact us by Skype. So all of that will be going down Sunday night. Should be a lot of fun as, as it is a very very busy week. Uh, yeah. Before wait. moving on, actually, John, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Nate Milton, who recently returned to the Post Wrestling Network with his brand new show, The Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Have you had a chance, John, to listen to this? I did. It was great to hear Nate and Brian back together again, reviewing The Scorpion King from 2002. Yeah, very, very uh, well-received new show from uh, Nate Milton right here on our main post-wrestling feed. So if you scroll back to Friday or if you just go to postwrestling.com under podcast, you will find the Rocky Maya Picture Show. That'll be a once-a-month 
program from Nate Milton. And a quick shout out for him and our friend Marcus Vanderberg as well, because they've just launched a brand new Patreon for their long running sports show, The Kings of Sports. So go to Patreon and search Kings of Sport and uh, show some support for our friends. Yes, absolutely. Highly recommend that as well. And of course, the Royal Rumble Pool is our last thing to promote. The deadline is this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You can go to postwrestling.com slash rumble, or you can go just to the website, postwrestling.com, and click on the button at the top on the right-hand side. It takes you right to the pool, and there you can submit all of your different picks and be in the draw to win on Sunday. We'll announce the winner next Monday. Yeah, our deadline for the pool, because this is uh, the go-home show, of course, the deadline is 3 o'clock Eastern time on the Sunday. So you actually have up until Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern time to get everything in. But for most people, I think tomorrow after SmackDown, you'll probably know everything you need to know. Yes, uh, and that kind of uh, takes us into the news uh, to discuss uh, coming out of uh, the weekend. I guess the big story on Raw tonight was... The status of John Cena. It was announced during the show that his status is in question for Sunday. And they showed a video last week of Drew McIntyre applying the ankle lock. And then after the show on WWE.com, Cena is favoring the ankle. So I did ask about this. I got an update and was told that Cena is not scheduled for Sunday. And in fact, he was not scheduled for this Royal Rumble match. The idea was that he was going to be taken out by Lars Sullivan. Uh, That was the direction they were going. Obviously, that plan has changed, and this was their way of writing him out, but he was not going to be available for this Sunday's Royal Rumble. I would assume, I wasn't told this directly, but I would assume that the the Lars Sullivan angle would have occurred last week because that was the last date Cena was available at Raw last Monday. He was not there tonight. He was not scheduled to be there tonight, and... That's the latest on Cena. He's not expected to be there on Sunday, although they they left it open-ended on tonight's show. When did Cena announce that he was going to be in the Rumble? Was it last week? No, it was several weeks ago he announced. It was when he uh, first came back and he had the segment in the ring with Vince McMahon. I think it was two weeks ago that he okay. announced he was in the Rumble. Right, okay. Hmm, okay, interesting. And I think... Um... The, the the big takeaway is, you know, what exactly is happening to Lars Sullivan? Will he be making a return? And uh, they did leave it out and like kind of uh, they did leave it as a bit of a questionable thing as to whether or not Cena could make it on Sunday. So still a bit of a glimmer of hope. Well, uh, and I guess they've attributed now the injury to Drew McIntyre. So I don't know if that's a new direction they're going, but it was clear that they designed that spot for Drew McIntyre to explain uh, where Cena's not going to be. He does have a movie coming up that it's supposed to begin filming February the 4th. So, I mean, the the idea, I mean, I, mean, I think it, it would probably have been the film schedule that ultimately was, was dictating what appearances he could do. And, you know, the fact he was not able to extend any dates beyond last Monday uh, tells me that like, that was his kind of drop dead date to do everything they needed and do this theoretical Lars Sullivan angle. Uh, with Cena. So we will see. I, I don't know any more about Lars Sullivan other than that seems to be what they were going to do. He would take out John Cena and remove him from the Rumble prior to the show. Other news uh, coming out of the week. Uh, this on the MMA front, uh, I don't know how much of the uh, card over the weekend way you followed, but uh, the big story was how well 
the UFC show in the Barclays Center did for ESPN+. Plus. Uh, they put out this announcement on Sunday that between Friday and Saturday, they got 568,000 signups for this streaming service. Uh, 525,000 alone on Saturday. So ESPN Plus is available in the States. And the way it works is that if you sign up, you get a seven-day free trial. And then you're charged. It's $4.99 per month. Or you can pay $50 for the year. So the hope would be that of these 568,000 signups, the vast majority of them are going to take on the service and become paid subscribers. But that is a, an incredible number to sign up uh, of MMA fans for this card on the weekend. I think that sounds like a great success. Can we compare it to how, how the WWE would have done after their first event? Yeah, we can actually, um, if you give me uh, two sure. seconds here. Yeah. Um, beca- because they launched, theirs was a little different because their first, they, they launched in February where um, it was a month uh, a month and change before WrestleMania that year. So this was starting with a big event right out of the gate, whereas the WWE Network, it did have, you know, over a month to kind of build up their number before WrestleMania, which would you would think would be the big jumping on point for the mm-hmm. vast majority of fans. But it was, um, I'll say a good number, but I remember it not being an overwhelming number. And I will find the uh, the exact one here. But, of course, the price um, point the price points are a little bit different too. Yep, yep. With, that's with ESPN is four ninety nine, correct? ESPN is four ninety nine for the year, and. You know, in Canada, um, ESPN Plus not available. So it's it's really um, – it's very simple in Canada. It's everything now is either on Fight Pass or it's on TSN, and that's where you can get all of your UFC now. So mm-hmm. it's it's very easy to, to follow here. Let's see. WWE Network subscriber number. The first uh, – so the day after WrestleMania 30, they announced 667,287 – uh, subscribers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that, that's a, that's an interesting point of comparison. Obviously, you know, Henry Cejudo versus TJ Dillashaw, not, not necessarily on, on a level of WrestleMania and, uh, and also not, um, indicative of the UFC leaving the pay-per-view industry either, yeah. which the WWE did with their biggest event of the year mm-hmm. included in that entire move to, to the network as well. well. But we're also talking about this being the ESPN plus network. It's not, it's not the UFC network No, where no. Uh, UFC is only seeing a cut. I mean, they're, they're getting paid to produce content for this thing. They're not necessarily reaping all the benefits of this four ninety nine. Yeah. And it and this is a $300 million a year deal um, that ESPN is paying for both the, the television rights and the streaming rights these shows so it is a significant amount of money they are investing in here but i would say for a card that it was it was hyped up a lot by the ufc but this was hardly the biggest card in ufc history either um like this to me was an overwhelming success that that was that was the figure that signed up it was i i didn't even know what to guess but that that's an incredible number i feel like that's 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 a good indicator of like how many hardcore fans you have you know hardcore to the to the point where they're willing to pay for this level of show um maybe there are a lot of sports fans there that were on the fence anyway and wanted to get espn plus for all the other content that they had but certainly i feel like this espn must be really happy with the performance of of this ufc show Mm -hmm. yeah uh so some other notes uh going on 
Um, yeah, we mentioned the Sanjay Dutt thing. Um, the only thing to add to that, I kind of gave the uh, the details of it, but he has been interviewed by so many different outlets. I believe Anderson Cooper interviewed him on Monday. Um, this guy's just been all over the place because he was tweeting inside of this United flight uh, where they were grounded for 16 hours. He was on his way to China to do this extreme wrestling entertainment show uh, in China and in ended up in Macau yeah. and never made it there. He's he's back home now. So um, that was uh, the basis of his trip, but just sounds like a, an insane weekend. Um, I wanted to mention the passing of an Ontario wrestling manager. His name was uh, Peter Corneal, and he was known on the independent scene as Otto Bond. And I'm sure not a lot of people might be familiar with the name, uh, but if you are a longtime uh, listener of live audio wrestling, he was on a number of times in 99, 2000, because that's when I first became familiar with him. And he was just a staple on the Ontario scene, uh, working as a manager. He was a really good mouthpiece with this uh, group called the Hollywood Hunks that were, you know, kind of really well-known Ontario names in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And th- this guy was a very good promo, Autobahn. He kind of had this like Joe Pesci-like character um, in, in terms of his delivery. And I always thought it was a, a very good promo. He passed away Monday morning in his sleep. And there aren't any other uh, details beyond that. But I, I just want to uh, mention that off the top, especially for any Ontario fans that, you know, he's been consistently working independence, um, you know, going back almost 20 years uh, on the scene as well. Uh, Akam is currently going through a knee injury. He's expected to be out for about two months. Um, and... That's why you haven't been seeing the AOP on television of late. And beyond that, I think those are the major uh, news items. Is there anything else you want to discuss, Way, uh, coming out of the weekend? Not so much news, but I did want to give away a new toque for a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Well, this is the time that everyone needs toques, especially if you are in Toronto. Yeah, that's right. So, yes, uh, Post Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon, patreon.com slash postwrestling, we give away an article of clothing every single week. And for now, in the winter season, we will continue to give out a post wrestling toque. So, John, will you spin the Royal Rumble cage? Okay, I'm spinning, I'm spinning, I'm spinning. Stop. Alrighty, congratulations to James Skirman. James Skirman out of Japan. Oh, yeah. So um, you're more than welcome to obtain one of these if you send me a message via Patreon, via Twitter, via whatever. We send all around the world. So congratulations, James Skirman. A toque coming to you. Do they call them toques in Japan? Uh, you know, all the feedback I've gotten is that no one calls these toques, but I believe there are toques everywhere worldwide, regardless of borders. The 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 I think uh, point of contention for me is seeing how people spell toque. Toque is a very mysterious. <laughs> I've gotten some T O O K's. T O O K E, um, T O U Q U E, <laughs> but the proper spelling, everybody. T O Q U E. Don't ask me why. I didn't come up with it. I don't know the. Uh, I like the Q etymology of this yeah but wouldn't you think t-o-u-q-q-u-e toke it's more toke than toke i guess you could you could shoehorn a, a another u in there potentially yeah anyway t-o-q-u-e so congratulations james skirman get me send me a message uh let me know which toke you want out of the two and i will get that to you 
Oh, the other thing to, to mention, did you get to see any of the, the trailer for the Kenny Omega documentary that's going to be airing on TSN? Well, it wasn't much of it. I mean, it was... Like, it was a trailer for a larger series, and there was just a brief bit on the Omega portion. Yeah, there was a lot of New Japan footage used. I think, if anything, it was confirmation of some of the names that were focused uh, or that were interviewed f- for it, uh, including Dave Meltzer, Chris Jericho, and, of course, Kenny Omega. And for more so than that, it was confirmation that this thing actually exists, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's part of this uh, series on TSN called Engraved on a Nation, and it looks to be their version of 30 for 30. There's six films that they're going to be putting out. They're all 60 minutes, and the Kenny Omega one, which is called Omega Man, is going to be premiering Wednesday, March 27th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on TSN, and if you go to my update from Monday, there's a link to see the, the trailer that features uh, a very quick clip of it, um, so... Uh, we'll have more on this uh, as we get closer to the uh, premiere date and probably interview someone associated with the uh, production of that documentary. It's that one I'm very interested in. I also kind of want to see the Donovan Bailey one. I, too, want to see that Donovan Bailey one. I mean, if you were in Canada in 1996, there was no bigger star in the world than Donovan Bailey. And I, I think that that... It looks like this documentary kind of covers the the weight on his shoulders going into the Atlanta games and carrying the the legacy of Ben Johnson, of people looking at this guy doing superhuman things and being very skeptical because of the baggage that uh, Ben Johnson had from uh, from his own Olympic Games. So mm-hmm. that looks like a very interesting documentary to watch. Yeah. All right. Let us get into Raw from Monday night, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma, hillbilly town. <laughs> you didn't Vince McMahon's words, not yours. Yes, not mine. I love Oklahoma City. I'd love to I, go. It, yeah, I've never been. It started off with a video tribute for uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I thought this video was awesome. I mean, it was just so well produced and put together. They showed coverage of his assassination over a 10-bell salute. I just thought it was a really well put together video that's what made it stand out to me this wasn't kind of just your typical you know still image uh you know here are some really nice photos of this man uh when he was alive they kind of like went the extra mile and and really made a moment where they brought you into the moment of his assassination and subsequent you know funeral and whatnot to really tell you a bit more of a story so uh they spent a lot of time on it and i thought it was very well done yeah i, I just thought this was a great video and I would say that uh, we did not need to incorporate Martin Luther King Jr.'s words into wrestlers' motivations for their own struggles. I didn't have as much of an issue of that. Um, well, we'll get there. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman started the show. They came out. Heyman said there was no fluke or controversy last week as Finn Balor seized the moment, referred to John Cena as the second best of all time behind Brock Lesnar. Lesnar has been training and he was ready to face Braun Strowman, but now he's facing a new opponent on short notice with a different style than Strowman. And that is why Balor believes he can be the next champion. He says that Balor is the voice that matters, but his is the voice that martyrs and Lesnar will turn him into a martyr. I could see where he was going here, but this, this was a tough one. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever see the spinoff called Family Martyrs? <laughs> no, I he haven't. Said, 
He said that uh, Balor will be a martyr for the sins of those who believed he could conquer Lesnar. He is the Slim Reaper. Sounds like a show title we would come up with. And even miracles fear Brock Lesnar. And Brock holds up the title. Uh, Joking aside, I thought this was a very good Paul Heyman promo. Yeah, I would say like if there's anybody you would try to um, expect to pull off something like that, this, um, I I feel like I would feel confident in, in Paul Heyman doing it. Um, and I thought, like you said, it was a good performance. I thought he went a little bit long. I think my problem that I still have with him is that his voice and this act have both become a little bit stale over the years. I think technically he was he's one of the best, but I would have cut this down a little bit. Vince McMahon comes out. I I had enjoyed this segment up until Vince McMahon coming out. He refers to Paul Heyman as an old school promoter and selling people on the idea of Finn Balor competing with Brock Lesnar is passe. I was like, okay, let's, let's keep going here. He asks if Heyman is familiar with David versus Goliath and Heyman responds off mic. I didn't read the Bible. So Vince decides to recap David versus Goliath and what a job he did. He explained that Goliath destroyed David until David was reincarnated as Finn Balor. Is everyone still with me? Then he decides to take a detour and acknowledge the fans of Oklahoma City that he calls Hillbilly Land. They all boo him. He says, why are you booing? And Heyman says, you're speaking too fast for them. So we've got Heyman and Vince trying to outheal one another. And Vince says, if you believe that Finn can beat Brock, then you believe in fairy tales. Now let's just stop there. The psychology of this segment was painful to try and break down. That Vince McMahon is acknowledging that Finn Balor doesn't have a prayer does not have a prayer of winning this match, which did wonders for him beating John Cena last week, that this guy doesn't have a prayer in this match. On top of the fact that Vince McMahon removed Braun Strowman from this match, and instead Finn Balor is there. Like, this guy looks like an idiot. What are you promoting? Well, Finn wasn't his choice. Finn just happened to beat the odds. Well, he beat John Cena. So that should be something that should have been made a much bigger deal. And if you thought, and there wasn't even really the issue between Vince and Braun Strowman here. Braun was more upset with Baron Corbin as he came out here. Yeah. I was like, why doesn't Vince just leave Braun Strowman in this match? If he has no plan of Finn beating Brock, we're getting a non-competitive match on Sunday. I didn't understand what Vince McMahon added to the buildup of this match. Even trying to tell this bizarre David versus Goliath story. I can see where the seeds of this began, but I just thought it was, uh, I don't know. I just thought this went like off the rails. Vince is there to, to position Finn Balor as the underdog who isn't supposed to beat Brock Lesnar. So I, I just feel that Heyman's coming out here. He's, putting this guy over for his big win over John Cena. Like, aren't, aren't we kind of past the underdog thing after what he did last week? Mm, but he's still the underdog against Brock Lesnar. I mean, beating John Cena is not the same as beating Brock Lesnar. 
Well, he beat the guy clean. If John Cena had won, no one would have any issue with with that term, that kind of a matchup. John Cena, like, is, I mean, heavyweight. Like, if I have to put this in under UFC terms, imagine like Henry Cejudo beating, uh, you know, um, maybe Alex Gustafson on his path to beating to fighting John Jones. Just because he beats Alex Gustafson doesn't necessarily mean he'll beat John Jones. He's still a heavy underdog against John Jones. Braun Strowman comes out. He said the last Monday was the worst night of his life because Corbin cost him $100,000 and his title shot. So he's going to be waiting for Lesnar after Sunday. Vince says, you're lucky to be employed. So Balor comes out and calls this the same old Monday Night Raw. He beat three guys last week, including John Cena. He knows Vince doesn't believe he can win, but he'll reclaim his title. And Braun calls him Finn Finn. (laughs) And he tells him to basically go fuck off because he's going to do something he's never done. I'm going to beat Brock Lesnar. Lesnar goes to leave, but Balor retells the David and Goliath story and tells Vince they didn't know what David was made of. And then Goliath fell face down in the dirt and no one was laughing then. So Vince makes up the match between Balor and Braun Strowman and ends the segment by saying, let's get her done. Let's get her done. So yeah. uh, essentially Braun Strowman has been cleared as we got his first match back here. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I guess, part of the... Uh, do you think he would have been... He wasn't cleared last week, but this week he was. I believe so, yes. Okay, interesting. Well, you know, I thought they, they made an attempt at telling a very simple story here with Finn. Uh, really, they couldn't have hit you over the head with it more that this was a David versus Goliath story. At times, I almost felt it was a little too on the nose. Um, but you know, at least I feel for almost everybody watching the message to me seemed easily digestible. Um, maybe you disagree. I just thought that Vince McMahon's performance, uh, left a lot to be desired. I I thought that he was all over the place. I thought it was a terrible dynamic with Paul Heyman that they were uh, both out there with kind of these. Like, I, I didn't even take to Vince McMahon as the heel until midway through this promo where you see where he's going. Like, he, he hasn't even come out here to, to argue. He's coming out here to explain to Paul Heyman that this guy is not a worthy challenger. And it just seems, right? why are you promoting this match? You, you are the person that has controlled all of this. You had a, in your mind, much more competitive match. I just thought for the Vince McMahon character, he never intended, came across as well, totally he never, logical. He never intended for Balor to be that person. He, he had to punish Braun and wanted a substitute for it, but his picks for substitute probably would have preferentially been Baron Corbin or John Cena instead. So of why was, didn't he pick one of them? Um, Because uh, Finn Balor happened to walk out at that same time, so he had to make a match between all of them. That's how it works. And and and, and Balor ended up winning. So it, it's, you know, it's not who he chose, yet it's the person who, who beat the odds. I, I, I feel like... Um, you know, Braun, I think, is, is a tricky thing because I would have had him come out, like, angry. I expected- He should have been furious with Vince McMahon, and it was, like, they were just two guys together in the ring. Yeah, yeah. My 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 guess is that maybe they feared that that would have taken away some focus from Balor because this was all supposed to focus on him uh, and, and elevate Balor. But I, I don't know. I would have maybe not shown Braun at all then because I feel like to just have him be okay with everything – Rather than come out like this raging Hulk-like monster, destroying everything in his path, 
which is, I think, how he got over in the first place, made Balor look a little bit weak. And they they don't address it at all if Braun's in the Royal Rumble or not. And it kind of makes no sense for him to be in the Royal Rumble mm-hmm. based on this story. Uh, Braun, you mean? Yes. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did tease further interaction between Braun and Brock, so I expect that to still be the the program that, that Brock eventually gets later on. So we got Braun and Finn Balor, and Brock Lesnar stuck around ringside. Strowman runs over Balor on the floor, then is hit with a sling blade, and Balor worked for a sleeper. Balor at one point climbs up the turnbuckle. He gets knocked to the floor and is caught by Lesnar, who suplexes him on the floor. Uh, Balor comes right, back. Right in front of the referee, by the way. Oh, tonight was not a great night for uh, referees paying attention to anything. Yeah, this was not a no DQ match. They never mentioned that. Uh, he did the suplex in full well, view. Well, the, the match the ends with a DQ, so we knew it was a no DQ match. Or, or sorry, it was not a no DQ match because that's how the match ended. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that, that makes no sense. So this, this ref just blatantly ignored this belly-to-belly from Brock Lesnar to Finn Balor. Kurt Hawkins should be the referee on every single show. Somebody brought every up match. Somebody on Twitter brought up how like this might have been some reference to some NFL controversy over oh, the, the weekend. Pa- the pass interference call, which even I was made aware of on Sunday. Yeah, this was so the the, the Rams were were uh, playing the Saints, and this is the game that the winner goes to the Super Bowl. So there, this pass interference, and it's a pretty brutal hit that this it, like it is clearly pass interference, mm-hmm. and it's not called, and they end up going to overtime. And the Rams, who got the benefit of this non-call, win the game. So all the Saints fans and everyone are justifiably pissed about this lack of a call. Uh, maybe. Um, the announcers, I thought, I, typically when WWE does that, they beat you over the head with it. Yeah. Which the announcers did not. But, I mean, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It was pretty blatant. Yeah. Uh, Balor comes back. He hit Lesnar with a Topicon hero. And then... Hit a running drop kick to Lesnar on the floor. Strowman misses him in the corner. Running drop kick. Balor climbs to the top, hits the coup de gras, but Lesnar runs in and hits an F5 to Balor for the DQ. Obviously not wanting to beat Braun Strowman, and we got our DQ finish. I thought the match itself was very, very average WWE-style type of match. Uh, I appreciate their effort to try to get Finn over Brock by having him constantly knock him down on the floor, but... I saw this non-finish coming from a mile away, and I hated it when it when it arrived. I think if you are committed to pushing Finn Balor, you should push Finn Balor. You should give him a strong win over somebody. It doesn't have to be Braun if you don't want to be Braun. But in your go-home show, not giving Finn Balor an actual win ahead of this title match, I thought was a real mistake. And all in all, like it, it served to make me feel like I wasted my time watching this match. I didn't think Braun belonged on this show. Yeah, I thought from a storyline perspective, like you threw out his first match back, it was, it was a match where you had no finish in mind, so you had to do this DQ, and you're right, Finn needed a solid win. He especially needs a, a strong win going into Sunday that someone else could have been put in here, and you still could have done the F5 at the end after Finn wins, or you just do the stare down that I think would have been more effective that you're giving Finn everything going into this match to Make the audience believe that he has a chance to win this match. So I just didn't like the idea of Braun being on this show at all. I think mm-hmm. it easily could have been explained that Braun is he uh, he is threatening to destroy Vince McMahon and he's been barred from the building. And you could even do a segment of him trying to break into the arena or something. Um, 
but this was not how I feel he was best utilized. No tease of the demon, and in fact, Balor in, in an interview mentioned that he will probably not come out as the demon. He'll be out See, as I, re- I read that quote as meaning it's probably a, a chance that he will show up as the demon. Yeah. He's just denying it ahead of time. Could, what, could, what was he saying? He's like, oh, this came, away, this came together so shortly, I don't even know how I would plan it. It's like, okay, it's like 50-50. He's going to show up as a demon. That's, that's, that could very be, 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 be very possible, yes. Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush came out. Way's favorite duo of 2019. Rush said that Lashley is better than Ambrose and Rollins and all those clowns in the locker room. He's not going to make an open challenge because those are for kids. And Lashley stands on this podium inside the ring and he has a spotlight, which Renee says, this is some fanfic stuff. Yeah. Do you think that there's a, a thriving Bobby Lashley fan fiction scene that's out there? I feel like there's fan fiction for every WWE wrestler out there. Apollo Crews interrupts. He says, no one paid to see you pose. And he challenges Lashley. Rush says, how about a pose off? And if you beat him in a pose off, maybe we'll give you a match. Crews responds, I don't know how to pose. And then they took turns posing where Cruz was dancing and getting the crowd to cheer for him. And finally, Lashley attacked him and threw him onto Leo Rush on the floor. And that would set up our match between Bobby Lashley and Apollo Cruz, A pose-off way. I thought this sucked. <laughs> like, this felt like something that might have been interesting in the 60s. Um, I just, I, I, I didn't feel like it. It helped anybody. First of all, I just I'm not a fan of much of a fan of this narcissistic gimmick for Bobby Lashley to begin with, but to drag Apollo Cruz into it, I felt like it was quite awful and just really bad TV. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but this episode of Superstars I'm gonna be reviewing Tuesday night on the double shot. It just so happens that it's one week before the inaugural World Bodybuilding Federation pay per view. And awesome. Vince McMahon is very excited. All right, yeah. I'm sure, that. I'm sure you would have loved this. They ran a promo for SmackDown. All they're promoting uh, on, on this commercial were the segment involving Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles with Vince McMahon as the moderator. Uh, but they have actually announced quite a lot for Tuesday night. They've announced Ray and Andrade in a two out of three falls match, Samoa Joe and Mustafa Ali, Naomi against Mandy Rose, and The Miz against Cesaro. So whenever they announce that many matches for SmackDown, you know at least one of them isn't happening. <laughs> which one? Uh, I don't know. Which one do you think will get cut? Because um, none of them got mentioned in the commercial, so they're all fair game to get cut. Um, I could see Joe and Ali being another angle. I hope they hold off on that. I mean, the two out of three falls takes a lot of time, but that's also the match that I think everybody's looking forward to the most. So. Yeah, I almost wish it wasn't happening on SmackDown on the go-home show for the Rumble. Hmm. Anyway, we will see on Tuesday night. Lashley, Cruz, uh, Cruz, they built up to a military press, but then his leg gives out. So then he went for it again. Um, hits an, in- an insiguri, and then Leo Rush comes in, and he's running around, evading Cruz until he's caught. Gets pressed overhead, but as he's holding up Rush, he's speared by Lashley, who pins him. And Michael Cole notes, that was a lot of leeway by that official. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I don't know exactly what happened with those military presses, but um, 
Like it seemed like he legitimately lost his footing or had some issue with his leg because or his back. You know, it could it could have been. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I mean, you know, unfortunately, it didn't look good, and that was sort of like the big spot in that match to make Apollo Cruz look look like a real champion. But um, I'll say, you know, the finish certainly didn't help either. Uh, this this Lashley doing fancy flips and evading the babyface continues to really aggravate me. I think it's it's just a uh, it's just a stupid gimmick for a heel. Um, and when Lashley just got the win like that, I thought Cruz actually did a decent job in that pose down to try to attract this audience. He's been sounding a lot more confident on the microphone lately, but that finish to me just killed this crowd. And I'll say, I don't think Cruz did enough in this match to look like a real threat by the end of it. By the end, I just found him to be a bit of a forgettable kind of a joke. Seth Rollins came out and he passes by Lashley and Rush on the way to the ring. And this is where Rollins speaks about Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We can learn a lot from him, quotes him and quotes him uh, stating how a man, how a man stands during times of challenge and controversy. And he relates it to himself a few months ago, having two titles and two brothers. And now he has no titles and a broken family. This is his first and last love. And he's going to go to Phoenix to win the Rumble. His whole life has been a long shot. He's not as big as Drew McIntyre, not as powerful as Lashley. He comes from a small town, just like Oklahoma City. This was Babyface 101. He said his parents were working class, and he could have ended up working on a factory or a farm. But he spoke about his heart that got him here, and there will be one man left standing on Sunday. I thought the promo started off, like, strong, you know, with, with the quote and relating it to kind of what, what his character is going through at the moment. It lost me a little in the middle, though, when he said... I'm not your stereotypical WWE star. You mean you're not a tall, shiny, dark-haired man with a beard? Like everybody else on Raw, it seems? But, it's from a small town, way. <laughs> parents are working class. But otherwise, uh, you know, I thought it started strong and ended strong. Yeah, this, this really felt like they are somewhat trying to, like, engineer him for this big babyface run-up to WrestleMania and make him as... More relatable, maybe. I I don't know what the the thought process was of this promo. Uh, it did feel a little kind of outside of Seth Rollins' usual comfort zone to kind of just put him into this light now. Like here's this he's, guy that's been on the roster for six years, and now we're hearing uh, this this uh, you know rags to riches story. You know, I mean, he's supposed to be hardworking every man, and uh, uh, I suppose if you're under I don't know six six foot eight. Um, you're considered a hardworking, small everyman who is not your stereotypical WWE star. What did you take it to mean when he said, I could have, I could have been working on a factory or a farm, but I'm here because of this, as he pointed to his heart. It was like, wait, did he point to his heart or did he point to the audience? I, I, I thought he pointed to his heart, like his heart got him here. Oh, okay. Okay. That he had heart to. Right. So he followed his dreams. Yeah, he followed his dreams and uh, achieved greater than maybe what was set out for him. I mean, there's no shame in working on a farm or a factory. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. Imagine doing that every day. Yeah, yeah, but I guess it's, you know, fewer people dream of doing that than they might dream of being WWE champion. Drew McIntyre comes out. He informs Rollins there's 0% chance he wins the Rumble. So take note, all people in the Royal Rumble pool. Uh, he says his high-flying style will cost him, and Drew will win. 
Which is yeah. a fair comment. He thinks he's going to totally mill Moskris this Royal Rumble. Uh, let's hope not. Yeah. You know what the key is to beat Seth Rollins in the Rumble? Attack his knee. He's guaranteed to do a springboard right after. Probably end oh, up on the floor. Very true. Yeah. So that led to Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Rollins leaps off the... Po- this was the best timing ever. Okay? Rollins is standing on the post and jumps off the post and crashes onto the barricade right at the moment that Corey Graves explains that he doesn't think that Rollins' high-flying style is going to hurt him in the Rumble. And it was just funny because he was literally performing a, a maneuver that would eliminate him from the Royal Rumble. <laughs> they This is the first time they bring up the injury to John Cena. And this was all that they mentioned. Like, this was never brought up again. There was no promise of a further update. It was just Cole, like, snuck it in in the middle of this match. And that was, to my uh, knowledge, the only time it was mentioned on the show, which would probably be a pretty big deal that Cena's not going to be in the Rumble on Sunday. I mean, I'll say so. They did announce it on their website or, or They did put up media. a video um, on YouTube, and maybe but, they felt that was enough. But, 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 you know, after hearing what you told me about, like, uh, uh, perhaps delaying the, the announcement of Braun being out of this, this uh, card because they felt like Braun versus Brock was a better headlining match to sell tickets, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody wanted to keep this from being as publicized as maybe it should be. That was my thinking. Uh, Rollins used a Hurricane Rana counter. This was after he took that reverse Alabama slam onto the floor. Rollins had a Falcon Arrow, missed with the stomp, then Drew is in the Tree of Woe, did his uh, deadlift into the suplex, and then goes for the Claymore, but it stopped with a super kick. N- number of near falls here. Rollins repeatedly kicks out of these spots. There was a sit-out powerbomb. Then he catches Drew out of nowhere with a schoolboy roll-up, pinning McIntyre, and Rollins gets the victory. And, yeah, I I, I don't have the capacity to, to read into finishes of what they wanted you to believe coming in here, but I think most people are looking at Rollins as the favorite in the Rumble, and the number two pick is probably Drew McIntyre. Well, even though even though if he lost here. Yeah, I, I never read too much into those, but, yeah, I guess you could... Uh, yeah. On the one hand, it, you know, traditional WWE booking is before you give the guy the big win, you have him lose. Right. But I'm always of the other side that it's like if you are going with this guy to headline WrestleMania, he should not be losing. So, yeah. anyway, they could, they could also like they have so much leeway with these in between pay per views before WrestleMania that you know yeah. they can have three or four different candidates and go either way. I mean, they could surprise people and have a SmackDown guy win the Rumble. And then Rollins and McIntyre are fighting at the next pay-per-view. That's certainly a way they could go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's a pretty small number of viable candidates you can see winning this Rumble. Mm-hmm. I thought the TV, the, the, the match was a good TV match. Um, you know, once Rollins was able to turn it up, it became very entertaining. Uh, I think it kind of tells you that somebody like Rollins, they seem to treat with a lot more care than somebody like a Finn Balor who... Like I said, you know, really should have come out of his match with a win. I thought it was more important for him to beat somebody on the level of a Drew uh, uh, McIntyre than Seth Rollins getting this win here. Then we go backstage. The Revival are with Vince McMahon. And Scott Dawson goes, All right, Vince, uh, when we were called up from NXT, both of us had injuries. Are those going to be affecting when our contracts are up? Vince <laughs> explained, ah, ha, 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 ha. The Revival, they are complaining. 
about their recent losses. They want one more tag title match, but they want a special referee to call it right down the middle. And Vince brings up all their losses. And then Kurt Hawkins walks in. Vince does not want to give him any more matches. You've lost too many, which begs the question why this man is on the roster. And he then inserts Kurt Hawkins as the referee for their tag title match. That'll happen later tonight. It seems like the new thing to get guys onto TV, um, request your release. No, no. I meant, I meant like for, for characters like, like, uh, Kurt Hawkins or, or, or Heath Slater is to just like put them in as referees because, um, you know, there's either no opponents for them to wrestle or maybe matches involving them as actual wrestlers would really tank in the ratings, I, I suppose. But we saw it again here tonight. Um, but certainly interesting to see the revival here in, you know, on in a in a TV role. I think everybody coming out of like the rumors from last week were wondering if the revival revival will be pushed or if they will be shelved as a result of uh, what uh, they allegedly requested for. And I guess tonight it shows you that <laughs> they got a segment with Vince, a bit of a high profile storyline. Yeah, I mean, they they were featured in a. You know, I won't say prominent segment, but something of note on the show. Uh, They got a match that had time. And, you know, this tag division, they really can't afford to be shelving a team. And um, as Dave Meltzer's reported, their contracts are not up till April of 2020. That's Mm -hmm. a lengthy time period. And, you know, it it would seem silly to just not utilize these guys. I think that there's, you know, just try and be making people happy and not just kind of confirming that, Hey, you, you can all live in fear. If anyone asks for your release, this is what's going to happen to you as kind of a scare tactic. That would not be the message I would want to be sending to talent. Instead, the message seems to be, if you want a better position, you should complain and you should ask for your release to let us know that you're unhappy. Maybe some will take it that way, but this is a, this is a company filled with a lot of people that I feel don't want to be rocking the boat. So even if that's implied, I don't know how many will actually take action on that, even if they are legitimately unhappy. Dean Ambrose is in the doldrums of the arena. He too mentions Martin Luther King Jr., quoting him about injustices and how not being a champion is an injustice. Mm-hmm. And 2018 was not his year. After I quote, literally... Drove my body into the ground. He did fall into the ground at some point. Uh, I I don't know if he literally drove his body into the ground. Like, that is a metaphor. Um, He owes it to himself to win the Royal Rumble. It's going to be his miracle on ice. And he will own the road to WrestleMania. And justice will be served on Sunday. Yeah. uh, every, Every metaphor. Throw, Lots throw, of them. Throw them out there. Yeah. Then we go to the Lucha House Party versus Jinder Mahal and the Singh Brothers. What a match this was. Or should I say, what a match this was for the commentary. Kalisto splashes Sunil off his shoulders, uh, land uh, off the shoulders of Dorado, and then Kalisto's thrown to the floor. This is when Corey Graves jokes to Renee that she's just trying to get her money back from the fire festival. And Renee says, yeah, pay up, Jaw Rule. And then Corey Graves, I didn't have the stomach to rewind to get the proper context of this, but he tried to explain that Lince Dorado was born without a skull and therefore his mask 
is somehow attached to whatever. I, I don't know what this was. Cole was so confused. Uh, and then they just started discussing it. Then they moved on to discussing BuzzFeed. And they were so engaged in this discussion that they missed Grand Metalik pinning Sunil, where Michael Cole's call of the finish was one, two. Oh, he almost had him. Oh, no, he got him. Yeah. I mean, they didn't care. The crowd certainly didn't care. This was unfortunately the definition of a filler match. And it's too bad because I like the Lucha House Party. Um, but nobody ever treats any of their matches here with any type of importance. That was that. Yep. Uh, there was an EC3 video package, and he's still posing backstage. This man gets into an airplane and flies to Raw, gets into his gear, and then stands in front of a mirror. That's what he's up to. And Dana Brooke was quizzing him on how he uh, gets rid of water weight, if he's into car bloating, and then Elias walked by. I wish they had uh, TJ Dillashaw's uh, coach with him who had that, that scientific weight cut program designed for TJ to get down to flyweight. I'm sure Dana Brooke would be fascinated by that. Sure, yeah. Um, so they're doing a thing now where EC3 doesn't talk. No, he didn't say a word. Yeah, so uh, he's another narcissist, uh, but this time, I mean, he, Lex Luger started off like this. He never spoke, right? Just looked in the mirror. Yeah, but he had Bobby Heenan to introduce him. I don't, I don't know if Dana Brooke is Bobby Heenan. Oh, God. Imagine that pair. Damn. Elias was in the ring. Baron Corbin interrupted him. Say what you will about Baron Corbin. He gets like some of the loudest heat on the show. He comes out. He threatens Elias and says, you can't do anything about it. He has Corbin's mic cut. And then he goes to start singing. When Corbin goes to attack him, Elias swings his guitar. And you just hear Corbin <laughs> yelling to someone, he could have hit me with that guitar. <laughs> they go to a commercial. We come back. They had a very quick match. Elias was kicked into the post from the edge. Corbin took over, and then he hit the end of days. There was no, like, comeback by Elias. Corbin wins clean again. They did this two weeks ago, and Corbin just beats Elias. Yeah. Um, I I didn't know these two were involved in a program together. I still am not really sure if this is supposed to be a program or if they're just, like, random matches, and these two just happen to be put together you know, two out of three weeks. Um, either way, it's a little hard for me to care about any outcome of this particular matchup or feud between two of the least compelling characters in the WWE. Uh, but I, I did feel Elias has gotten better wrestling as a baby face. Yeah, it seems that it's, it's two people that... I like these long pauses where you think about what I have to say um, <laughs> because you're not so sure if you agree with me or not. No, no, I'm just, uh, I was reading something. Sorry. <laughs> Elias and Corbin are just two people that I think they're high on their them as personalities, but the audience largely tunes out when they have matches that they've just put them together so that we can get one match where the people are less interested, but at least you have the babyface heel dynamic to set up the match. That's the most positive thing I can say about this. Maybe they're having just an unannounced best of seven series that we're not aware of. Maybe. Then it was time for the moment of bliss. Alexa com comes out. And part of me, what did you think when Alexa Bliss uh, came out? Did you have any uh, observations? No. Okay. Well, she came out 
And I thought she was wearing a, like a much more revealing top. And I thought like, maybe this is what they're trying to do with Alexa bliss. And by the end of this segment, I think it's absolutely what they're trying to do with her. Um, based on what this feud is that may be coming out of this. She goes over the women's participants in the Royal Rumble. They have 21 listed, all from the roster, so that leaves nine spots open. Are you expecting a lot of surprises uh, specific in the women's match? So nine, you, you, You've gone through a lot from Evolution and last year's Rumble. Yeah, I mean, I still expect them. Yeah, but you're right. Like, you know, uh, like if they do want to sh- shock people... Um, how many names can they come up with that didn't either appear at Evolution or uh, uh, the the uh, Women's Rumble last year? Uh, like, I don't feel it's the time to do Lita and Trish again so soon. Unless they are playing for something at Mania, which was at least somewhat teased by uh, Bailey and, and Sasha. I'd save it then for that. I don't even... Well, unless you have a great idea for to set that up at, at the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trish and Lita challenging whoever the champions are at the rumble that's that's not a bad idea at all yeah especially if it's sasha and bailey yeah i I think that's that would be good but i mean nxt also has a has a big roster um you you know you could see somebody like a tony storm or a rhea ripley make their appearance yeah uh, i could definitely see that uh nia Jax was brought out and then it was just the procession of women ember moon came out alicia fox came out mickey james came out and they're all making their play for why they should win the Royal Rumble. And Alexa stands up on the chair, says that they're all ruining her credibility as a talk show host, and tells everyone to calm down. And then they all brawl. And then they fight to the back. She's left alone. And she announces that she is entering the Royal Rumble. And this got a pretty big reaction. This audience was very happy that Alexa Bliss is going to be in this Rumble match. To me, a legitimate surprise. I didn't know if she was cleared. I didn't know when she would be cleared. But... I didn't even know if, if for a time there if she was even going to return to the ring, but this was a confirmation that she seems ready, at least for this type of match. So there she is, and the music hits, and it's Lacey Evans coming out, and she calls the others classless little girls, and she's speaking with like this heavy southern accent, and she's taking her time to deliver the lines. I thought she was very good with her delivery. She says that the winner of Sunday's match will not be a sawed-off, girly runt. And the winner of the Rumble will be me, a classy, sophisticated lady. And she mm. walks to the back. Now, I don't know how this character is going to do over the long term, if it's going to be too one-dimensional. But I thought this was a very good promo. And I think that with Alexa Bliss, I think now there, if you are going to kind of uh, present her in kind of... You know, the way that we saw last week with her and kind of dressing her differently, like it might be done with the idea that you're now contrasting her to this Lacey Evans character. So that would be your first feud with Alexa's baby face? That was pretty clear at the end of this for me. It's that they're, you know, she comes out here and kind of steals Alexa's thunder. Like that was the direction I was left with here. Sure. Yeah. Very possible. Um, I feel like, uh, Alexa just turning babyface. I guess it's fine. You know, she seems to get applauded anyway. So I guess you don't need much of a storyline explanation for that. But uh, she is a great heel. Um, yeah. I don't, and when you look at the, the heel women on Raw, I mean, it's Nia Jax. And like, unless you're turning Sasha at this point, which maybe you are. And then maybe that kind of allows Alexa to become a babyface. I, li- I like Alexa in her heel role. I think she's very good in it. 
Yeah, I, th- I think she's certainly one of those people who feels better as a heel, but maybe she's kind of done all she- she's been able to do as a heel up until this point. So why not give her a shot as a baby face? Um, but I-, I do feel like these Moment of Bliss segments have all been pretty terrible. Like no effort put into the th- any anything here at all. Just have everybody come out, cut these cookie cutter promos, very predictable, one person after the other. Everybody looks like a dork, including Nikki Cross, who just this week becomes one of the pack. Is she even on Raw? I don't even know. I don't even care. They specifically said that they that they're not even sure if Nikki Cross is on Raw because they haven't made uh, designations yet on brands. So okay. Nikki well, Cross was there. Um, but I'm, that sure, was I'm sure the bidding war will be fierce. Um, but sure, whatever. Titus O'Neil cut a promo backstage where many people think him winning the Royal Rumble is preposterous. But I believe in miracles and I believe in myself. And then a PA walked into the shot and he got upset at the guy. Do you think he'll do the uh, trip? It's what I thought of during this. That's this the promo. only appeal when you think of the Royal Rumble and Titus O'Neil. Oh. That's like you, that's got to be a spot. The only thing worse than all those damn replays and then laughing about it and bringing it to Raw is manufacturing that screw up on Sunday. Yeah, I watched a bit of a botch club with Gallows and Anderson where they talked to Titus about that, and and it was just not not any good. They did a lot of like. Oh, were you going? Is it true that you went down there to like have a meeting with Hornswoggle? Like just, no. uh, like bad. You know, ab- after how serious of an injury Yoshihashi had, like it's not that funny. He's extremely lucky that it wasn't worse. Like Yoshihashi missed months, uh, because of a similar segment. Like I just didn't find it all that funny to begin with. It's like, okay, it's such a WWE thing to just beat something like that into the ground, and I don't know. It was. We'll, we'll we'll see. Maybe they'll we're, uh, they'll definitely redo something on Sunday. <laughs> it was it, it went through both our minds uh, watching this. Yeah. Next was the the official Raw debut of Heavy Machinery against the Ascension. Short match. Um, this was the star of the match was Otis, uh, who started mm-hmm. off with Victor, and delivers a spinning scoop slam. They double team Victor. Then they do the Bushwhackers dance. Otis is dancing in a circle before he hits the elbow drop, and then he hits his version of the worm, the caterpillar, to Victor, and they hit the the double team trash compactor to win in two twenty three. Um, I thought this was a, a good spotlight for Otis Dozovich, and he seemed to uh, get over with this crowd. Yeah, I thought they did well here. This was a fun debut. I think both these guys. Yeah, and- th- this wasn't their debut. That was last week. Remember? Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Well, I felt like uh, both Heavy Machinery and and uh, Lacey Evans, they're characters that seem like they're very easy to um, understand, you know? Like, for her, it's it's the Southern Belle who thinks she's better than everybody. These guys are just, like, sloppy big dudes who love to go out there and ha- dance and have fun. I think it, it, it's it's not necessarily a complex character like you, you would have... Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, for instance. So I feel like these guys, uh, like you said, are very one-dimensional and therefore I think will be easily translatable. Um, it, it remains to be seen how, how far they can go as these one-dimensional characters. But I think um, the main roster, at least on your first day, it, it seems to be a benefit that you could just have an easily re- relatable gimmick like this. Yeah, with, with Heavy Machinery, that was sort of the the ceiling I saw them at was... Mid card comedy, 
you know, fun tag team. And there's a role for that. I just think that there's a very, like, that just seems to be the end result of so many of these tag teams. Um, mm-hmm. But but it's like, I, I didn't see them being in higher positions anyway. So uh, they'll probably get a run with the belt. You know, the, like, the, sure. pro- the problem is like in the tag team division right now, you, even reaching the top just means you're lower mid card. Yeah, I guess. You know, if if in a year they're Rhino and he's Slater, it's just yeah. Like you, you don't need five tag teams like that, and this tag division is is full of them. So mm-hmm. it's just w- what are they adding beyond what's already there? They're they're the fresh team now. They're they're new. They're different. So yeah, that's that's something to at least start with. And who knows? Like Otis Dozovich, you can see like there's there's something there with him specific. I don't know if Tucker Knight really jumps through the screen at people, but Otis Dozovich does. Mm-hmm. And that takes us to our Raw tag title match. Chad Gable and Bobby Roode versus The Revival with Kurt Hawkins as the referee. Gable hit a flying clothesline, and then they delivered double suplexes to Revival. Uh, went through a commercial break. Roode hit his uh, Hiroshi Hase-style Uranagi to Dawson as he fires up. Spine buster to Wilder. And then they do the, uh, the, the WrestleMania 5 finish where Dawson is holding down Roode's leg off the vertical suplex, and Hawkins catches him. This is the first infraction he notices. Dawson then nails, uh, I believe it was Gable from the floor, and Wilder uses the rope for leverage. Again, he's caught by Hawkins. And then Dawson reverses a high cross. He's grabbing Gable's trunks. Hawkins stops him again, and this time, Dawson shoves Hawkins. Wilder is then holding Dawson's hand from the apron. It's broken up by Hawkins, allowing Gable to roll up Dawson and pin him. Afterwards, Cole is stating how they're lucky that Hawkins didn't disqualify him when he put his hands on him. And then there were three times they tried to cheat. And Renee is put in the awful role of having to defend the revival. And she says, this feels wrong. I feel they were too under the microscope during this match. Renee came off so poorly trying to defend this. It was just, Cole was completely the voice of reason here. She might be turning heel. Ugh. But it's like, it flips. She'll do this once or twice on the show, and the rest she's her regular self. It's very yeah. confusing. Right, right, yeah. Well, to be quite honest, I wasn't really paying all that much attention to the to the announcers. I But I thought the match itself was really fun, really, really excellently performed. All those textbook attempts to cheat, I thought, were perfectly utilized here. All five men in, in here, along with, you know, any agent or, or staff that helped put this together, I thought did perfectly i i I really like the team of zach Ryder and kurt hawkins being put together i think they should have been paired together a long time ago and uh it looks like it's a fresh new program with a unique and well-executed setup i don't know how much uh, how deep they were thinking about this match but it, it did dawn on me that when you have rules enforced and you have credible referees there's a lot you can do especially in tag team scenarios rather than doing things like we saw earlier in the show, where you just have to try and explain things for yourself when there's infractions right in front of the referee and the referee comes off like an idiot. Mm -hmm. But I feel this match was more so just for the post-match, and that's why this was set up. Because the Revival attack Kurt Hawkins, and Zack Ryder runs in for the major save Hmm. of his former brother. And Ryder and Hawkins, uh, I guess they're going to figure this out and become a tag team. Wow, you hit it all. Good for you. What can I say? Except the edge heads. You needed one one for that. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. We can't forget about that. 
So, yeah, it looks like they'll put these two as a team. And maybe in the AOP's absence, this is a, a team to fill a slot. <laughs> in the AOP's absence. Hawkin, <laughs> Hawkins and Ryder. But, well, I'm just saying in terms of, uh, you know, your number of tag teams you want to have, uh, yeah. this is your, your makeshift team to be I in mean, the tag division. But seriously, you know, like they, they certainly have a have an overabundance of like comedy tag teams and, and Ryder and Hawkins would certainly fill that spot uh, just as well. But I think maybe a better solution is to actually try to make a serious go of some of them, uh, including Ryder and Hawkins or even, uh, oh, sorry, who are these other dudes? Uh, heavy Machinery, I guess. Yeah. You do need a, the only heel team you have at the moment is the revival. Yeah. So the, and the Ascension, I think. Of course. I'm so sorry. Yes. Are are they heels? Because I'm, I'm always watching them in comedy segments where they're, they're designed to be funny. That's true. So I don't know. In fact, did we, no, never mind. I'm forgetting things. Um, Ronda Rousey is interviewed backstage. You catch this interview? I was looking. I've been looking forward to this uh, ever since it happened. So please, please grace us, John. I, I don't even know who it was that interviewed her. I think it was Dasha, Kayla. I think. Are you I don't sure? I think it was Kayla. Okay. I, I always recognize Kayla, but there's sure. Dasha, and I feel there's this new woman that looks strikingly similar to Dasha. So my apologies to whoever the interviewer was. That it, it was not Charlie, and it was not Kayla. So Ronda Rousey is interviewed. And she's been thinking long and hard about whether she owes Sasha Banks an apology. She's come to a conclusion way. No, fuck her. She said, I took time out to put over all of her accomplishments and give her an opportunity. And then she tried to get out the word two minutes. And it took her about that long to get this across. She says she's always been respectful to Sasha and she's felt nothing but resentment. And she asks, where is your desire, Sasha? And it's time to prove it. You've been too busy traveling the world like a boss rather than living like a champion. She's too high on her own hype. And she says, I'm going to explain the difference between a boss and the champion. Look at me. I'm the boss's boss and the HBIC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do this one justice. No, because you did it way better than I think you had any right to to do it. This was Ronda's delivery in this one was probably the worst since uh, she's made her pro wrestling debut. She was stuttering all over the place. Clearly, at some point, she got lost. And Ronda, I guess to her credit, for somebody so new, she tends to do decently. You know, she's not great at all. I, I think she's always very good at having a lot of heavy dialogue and she makes it feel like this is coming from her. I I think that that is one of her attributes. And this one felt as though this was not that she was like in a, in a minefield with a flashlight, just searching. This was her, like, uh, I guess, uh, you know, how she copes with these things is to just like memorize. And that's always been a problem she's had is like when she, it comes across like she's reading often when, you know, but not always. Like, like you said, sometimes she has like these very genuine moments. I thought like the end of this promo when she got really angry, it, that sounded fine, but everything in the middle, it just felt like she was caught in a web and she was struggling to get out. Like I thought for a second we were going to get a Kalisto moment here. Um, 
by the end of it, like certainly it's not going to make or break her career in the WWE, but um, it I was, mean, she, she had a few flubs, huh. but like she still does have that delivery that is better than a lot who I, I couldn't imagine delivering this promo. Like ima- imagine Bailey being given something like this. Like how it would sound, oh, even man. if she had it down verbatim. Um, no, they know, wouldn't. Write, they wouldn't write like this for her. Well, maybe. Yeah, this was. You know, her promos I think are sometimes similar to her big matches. That they're very mapped out, but she's very good in terms of the execution of them. And and this was one where they gave her a lot. And yeah, I, I think sometimes they that o- is, they overloaded the machine. Yeah, I think it's also a very difficult way to learn promos when you're doing it this way. I, w- I would much rather just have someone, okay, you're going to do a dozen takes if you have to, but this is it. Sasha Banks is this woman who pretended to be your friend mm-hmm. and thinks you've been handed everything and go. Yeah, right. And we will we will stay here an hour if we have to get a two-minute promo out of you, but tell us how that makes you feel because I think one of Ronda Rousey's uh, her ability to be able to take real emotions and convey them. I, I think that's something she can do, that she can take things very personally and come out with emotion instead of, like, she never sounds like a robot. Sometimes she does. And, and like, but remember, like, this was, this looked like it was done live. Yeah, it lo- it, it appeared to be live, where she just walked right out immediately mm-hmm. afterward. And that was the main event, Ronda Rousey and Natalia versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. And before the match began, Banks got her chance to cut a promo telling Ronda, who do you think you are? I'm a four-time women's champion. Last year in the Rumble, I lasted 54 minutes, and you were just handed everything. And the world knows I'm a worthy competitor. I earned my opportunity, and I'm going to tap you out. Corey Graves says that Sasha's out of her mind. She's been reading too many Reddit forums that think she's the greatest. And the match begins. So at the beginning, Banks nails uh, Rousey off the apron with a cheap shot. After the commercial break, Ronda and Natalia hit the heart attack onto Bailey. And then Bailey gets, or sorry, Sasha gets hit with an electric chair from Natalia. Ronda's in, goes for Piper's pit, which is blocked, and then gets rolled into the bank statement, which is broken up by Natalia. They continue here where Banks drops Ronda and Bailey comes in for the Bailey to belly. And that's countered as Bailey just gets thrown by Ronda. And I don't know if you noticed this, but it seemed like Ronda was having a lot of problems with her shorts. She kept having to adjust them. Was it her or was it Sasha at one point too? I only noticed Ronda like pulling down at them at like, like several times in this match. Hmm. So I don't know. Some issue with the gear. Um, Ronda goes for this flying arm bar, and this was um, this was the equivalent of the two minutes she was trying to describe in the promo because this just got totally blown. Yeah. I'm assuming it was a flying arm bar. I was doing my best to piece this together. Um, they continued forward. Rousey went for the arm bar on Sasha. She rolled over to the ropes, and then Natalia has the sharpshooter on Sasha. Bailey breaks that up, knocking Ronda off the apron, and then my screen goes black, and when they came back, you could tell what the spot was, was that Sasha was being lifted for a powerbomb and her pants came right down. So yes, I guess she did have uh, problems with her gear. And then it continued. Banks blocks the powerbomb, applies the bank statement, and taps out Natalia. Mm-hmm. 
I thought there was a lot of sloppiness in this match, uh, and I guess in in the night overall from Ronda's part, um, you know. But that said, I felt like the the intent here was to build the heat between her and Sasha, and I thought they were effective in doing that. I I think you know, unfortunately, this build has been so rushed. But I wish they had several more weeks because I thought they really kind of the promos like you can you know pick apart Ronda's promo and stuff, but the mm-hmm. The grudge element was there. Like yeah. I thought they hit on that really well tonight, getting that across, which is ultimately the goal, more more so than, you know, how fluid the the delivery was. I thought that they they tapped into something between these two that I mean, even Sasha recently stated this. Like she just wishes they had more time to build up a lot of this stuff because mm-hmm. it's you know, the rumbles on Sunday. You've had, you know, essentially two weeks to build this up. It kind of felt like we skipped a few weeks, you know, before getting to this point with these two hating each other as much as they did. But I thought they did a good job trying to build build that with having the two take cheap shots at each other throughout the match. A lot of trash talk. I thought in these final segments, they were successful in making this feel like a bit of a grudge heading into Sunday. And I guess this was technically Ronda's first loss. Um... Has she not lost a tag match? I couldn't find any tag matches that she's lost prior to this. Like, she's never oh. lost on house shows. You know, okay. TV, I, don't, I don't think she's even lost a tag match. I don't think she's ever been in a three-way or four-way that she's lost. Huh, so, interesting. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel this was her first loss, technically. Wow. Okay. And that was Raw. Um, how did you feel this uh, built up? the rumble did this uh, achieve what was uh, set out i mean the rumble is sort of a special case in that like the the mat the, the match is the draw you know you don't really have to do a whole lot i'm still going to be interested in seeing the royal rumble uh as far as like the main events of finn balor and also sasha banks versus ronda i think i was not happy with that they didn't feel like they needed to give finn a win like they thought having finn knock brock lesnar down a few times on the floor and then getting dq'd was enough and i feel like Finn should should have done a lot better than that. I think um, Ronda versus Sasha feels like it's a bit of a grudge. I don't necessarily feel like it's a dream match on the level of like, you know, uh, any of the other matches with the, with the four horse women. But I think the match itself will be good. The card itself, I'm actually looking forward to because on paper it looks like a good card, regardless of of maybe how the build has been. All right, uh, let us head on over to feedback and see what everyone had to say. Tonight's episode of Raw, on a scale of 1 to 10, venture to guess, way. I just saw it. I'm sorry. Okay. Tonight's show did a 6.28. Still okay. higher by our forum standards for Raw. Raw's picking up. I guess so. I guess it's a golden age that's upon us, and our forum is the indicator. Andrew from Cape Breton, I really enjoyed the show tonight. It was probably the best Raw I've seen in ages. I might be the only one, but I really like Ronda's pre-match promo. Oh, my God. Um, Okay. Yeah, let's let's hear why. One thing I've always liked about Ronda is how unpolished she is. Well, well, there you go. That was unpolished. <laughs> Just like how a fight isn't always going to look pretty. Not everyone is going to sound like Jim Cornette when ranting about someone. She sounded frustrated, and she came across much better than last week. I thought the stuff with the Revival was great this week, and it seems they might be getting their wish for a stronger tag division. Even the Pose Down segment was decent, as it seemed like it was the most over-Apollo Crews has been in a while. The big negative was the Corbin-Elias match, and I decided to play my Nintendo Switch during this match. Sometimes you have to turn a negative into a positive. Seven silent EC3 gestures out of ten. 
You know, very sound points from Andrew. I could totally understand it from, from those perspectives. We go to Cash, who says, if this is a start to repair their tag team division by actually showing you who your tag teams are, it's a start I counted in action or with a presence. Ascension, Heavy Machinery, Rude Gable, uh, Lucha House Party, Revival, Ryder Hart, Hawkins, and Singh Brothers. Regardless of how they are booked, giving them TV time or the ability to build some presence re regularly can help people get behind or not. And for that, it's a past show. All the upper card had their share too, but in moderation, which gives us a packed edition. So let's hope they can keep momentum coming in out of the rumble, which I'm in, which I'm always hopeful for. Oh, I thought he was saying he was in the rumble. No. Surprise entry. <laughs> okay. Ozzy from Boise. First time I've watched Raw in literally years. Usually I just follow by watching the highlights on YouTube. Okay. A um, lot of observations here. I'm going to go through the best ones. I enjoyed the Drew and Seth match, although every time I see it, I like it less. It always amazes me that the biggest wrestling company in the world can't seem to come up with fresh matches. The commentary during Lucha House Party versus Jinder and the Sings is a perfect example of what's wrong with commentary. Just a bunch of geeks with horrible chemistry making lame jokes. They should turn off Cor Corbin's mic more often. Why does he still wrestle like the assistant manager at a Red Robin? Get some gear. I started rolling my eyes during the women's segment when they started coming out one at a time to argue like usual. But then when Alexa said they need to not make women look bad by being catty and fighting, I went from annoyed to insulted. Pretty meta that they'd acknowledge what makes the segment bad and meaningless during the segment itself. What do you guys think the over-under is on weeks Lacey Evans has on how long Lacey Evans has this accent? Hmm. I think she'll get a good five months out of this run until she's on total Davis. I mean, yeah, that, that'd probably be it. Lana kept hers for years. So I think she'll have it for at least a year. How about that? All right. On to you. Okay. Uh, Chris from down under says, poor the revival. It sounded so quiet during their entrance. It was the equivalent equivalent of a no pop. Then Corey saying, maybe Zach wants an official position. Is supposed to make me more invested in this team. How exactly? Um, well, an official position. I, I don't know what, what you read into that. Um, I don't know either. <laughs> I just took it that they're putting them together as a team. I think that was the open and shut. Yeah. Start and finish of that segment. Jake. Pretty average edition of Raw tonight. The opening match, the closing match, and the Rollins-McIntyre were highlights. Tonight, however, just hasn't sold me on this year's Rumble matches, even though the men's Rumble has traditionally been one of my favorite moments of the year. We'll see what they do on SmackDown, but the build to the Rumble has been subpar. Jalen from Pickering. The Finn stuff doesn't really fully work for me. Even though he hasn't lost since November or whenever, they weren't really giving him a strong spotlight, strong spotlight until last week. It's hard to watch him feud and struggle with Baron for eight months and then suddenly have him be the guy. Rollins and McIntyre was good, but let the guys you're grooming to be your top heel and face stay apart until it actually matters. This tag division is brutal. Just seeing Gable dressed and acting like Mini Rude exemplifies how bad these two have been utilized. But the teams actually worked well together and most of them can talk, so if Creative wants to try, there might actually be some money there. Question, with people requesting releases, is this not the best time for the wrestlers to try and unionize, especially with Mania approaching? That's not happening. Not a prayer. Yeah. Um, What's in it for the top stars? It's just, I, I mean, it's it's just a pipe dream to think that in, in this era that WWE wrestlers are going to form a union. I think it's the least likely time of, of any I can recall uh, of that happening. Um, 
you know, it is a good point about the Balor. Like, you have had him on this win streak. Like, this is the guy that... But I, uh, I honestly wouldn't even have noticed it unless you well, pointed it out. Well, that's that's poor storytelling then. If, like, if the announcers been, never really called that much attention to it. Well, that's, that's a big glaring omission. This guy beat Drew McIntyre at the last pay-per-view. Like, that should count for something. And if not, then why then why did he win that match? Like, that stuff should be brought up. And it's almost like you're doing these two different things. He's knocking off all these guys. He's on this win streak that's invisible unless your your audience is paying attention to it. I and mean, hit, hit, all he's the, this underdog with no chance, and he's yeah. just knocked off every top person with the exception of Lesnar. Yeah, I guess that's it. You know, like, he's being promoted right now as a guy who um, shouldn't be there, yet he's been building up this hot win streak, uh, supposedly, that I, I, I don't think I would have any knowledge of unless I actually went and tracked back all the all his win-loss record. Well, the Royal Rumble, not brought to you by Cage Match. Uh, Eric from North Dakota. Pretty good episode of Raw that flew by for me. The tag division looks very promising, especially heavy machinery. Otis is extremely agile for someone built like a brick wall. I really like the build-up for Finn, even though the result is pretty predictable. Nothing else too noteworthy for me, but the show was good. Six stakes and weights out of ten. We go up next to Anthony, who says, uh, A few thoughts on Raw in the past week's news. I know Seth is touted as the favorite, but could Strowman be a dark horse to win the Rumble? If not, do you see his? Pl- where do you see his place at Mania? They can't get away with another kid becoming his tag partner again. Why not? The new streak, Nicholas. Oh, yeah, that's right. Maybe he'll be in the Rumble. <laughs> could be. Maybe. Yeah. Um... I think he could, you know, I, 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 I mean, Seth versus Brock does seem to be all I want. And if Strowman shows up in the rumble, I'm not expecting it. Like, what is the storyline reason that he's being put in the rumble? Um, Vince is all of a sudden having a change of heart that he can now go and have his chance at a title match. So they didn't say Braun was suspended. So yeah, well, okay, sure. It, it, that makes sense to me. Like it's you know he he takes away his his actual title match, but he can give him another chance to get one, where in a match with where the odds aren't aren't exactly all that great. To me, he just he's locked out of the building tonight. He's hauled off, and he vows that he's going to ruin Vince McMahon's Royal Rumble. And then he makes his way to Phoenix and he murders somebody and takes their spot in the Rumble. And there you go. That's his return. Uh, he goes on to say, last week you went over Raw's viewership numbers and said they were up week over week, but down something like 16% year over year. Listening to 83 weeks, Eric often says the real indicator they care about in TV is year over year and barely pay attention to week over week. Is this true or typical Bischoff bullshit? I ask because the fresh start sounds like it occurred around the time Jericho was in negotiations with Vince about his AEW offer, and with other reliable sources, WWE would have indicating AEW is potentially going to be a serious competition, could WWE have realized they need to change things and retain viewership before AEW launches? I mean, I think they, they've they've realized this for some time, and kind of the impetus was, uh, you know, hitting a lot of low numbers. I, I think AEW is is a small portion of what, what is ultimately uh, driving them for their, their television viewership, but, um, you know, it's there. I think with AEW, they're looking more so at, the talent situation and contracts and not wanting to lose talent to an upstart promotion more so than week to week booking because of something that 
you know, has not even launched on television yet. Um, but, but I think that is going to be a byproduct of AEW is that, you know, you have a competitor now that's going to be viewed as such. And in terms of uh, television viewership, I mean, ultimately, Raw is going to be measured against other uh, how other cable programs are performing against it. If, K- if the USA Network as a whole is down 10% in 2019 and WWE shows a drop of 5%, uh, that's, that's going to be, you know, not great for WWE. But in the grand scheme of things, they're not falling at the same rate the USA Network is. And WWE is doing a fraction of the viewership they were doing um, in past eras. If you go back four or five years, I mean, it's astonishing how far they're down. But, I mean... They're not being measured against five years ago. They're being measured against the competition of today, and WWE still performs very well. But I, I would never just – I think television viewership is something that it's important to monitor. I think you want to see trends. You want to see what is the popularity level. Um, you can be too extreme in reacting to stuff week to week, and it's it can be very – you know you can't be so reactionary to it, but you should be following trends over time. And – are you a more popular product or are you less of a popular product? And understanding that that is where your money is coming from is viewership on cable. So you can come up with all the reasons you want that, well, there's all these people watching on YouTube or they, these people that may not have cable any longer. But it's like you are getting paid. The, the most amount of your revenue is coming from people watching on traditional television. So that should be something that is of the utmost priority to you is making sure that you are delivering audiences so that the next time your deal is up, that you have a sizable audience there. And today by cable standards, the WWE is doing just fine. Let's finish off with Brandon from New Jersey, John. Oh, it's my turn, isn't it? Yes, it is. My dearest Shingo Oyamas. Yo soy amigos. Como, Jesus Christ, I've been, I've been missed. I know you forgot to read my feedback from SmackDown, but I understand long nights in the post office could be cramped. Don't want to get carpal tunnel. Nah, mean. Anywho, Raw reminded me of Saturday Superstars. And oh, what a shock. Look what got released today on the network. It was a tubular show. More, please. Do you have the patience for some meanderings, way? Of course I do, yes. Bobby Lashley looking like a Slammy Award on that pedestal. By the way, don't ever put your Bobby on a pedestal. Can't wait till Mania weekend when the Wei Ting Clan and the Wei Ting Clan meet and greet happens. Was this the first time the Revival ever met Vinicius Mack? Seemed like they piqued the interest with their AEW intel. I'll do better tomorrow. <laughs> I'm out of here. Do you know what this guy looks like? Um, I've never met Brandon from New I'm Jersey. Just, I, I don't think I have. I mean, I have a I have an image in my head of what Brandon from New Jersey actually looks like, and I would be sorely disappointed if he does not meet that expectation. I hope we meet Brandon from New Jersey. I hope that he is going to come to our... Well, I understand we may have a live show, WrestleMania weekend. Keep your ears uh, open. Well, then, that was raw. That was your feedback. That was the end. Are yeah. you still alive, Way? I'm here. Yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining me for this. And thank you to all of you for listening, joining yes. us. So uh, 
Yeah, let's let's recap what's going on this week. Yes. Uh, so to recap, first of all, the Royal Rumble pool. You must submit your picks to the Royal Rumble pool, or else you're banished for life. So go to postwrestling.com/rumble, or go to postwrestling.com, click on the button, and that will get you there to submit all your picks. And the winners will be announced next Monday on Rewind to Raw. This week, Tuesday night, Rewind to SmackDown and the Double Shot. Wednesday, new British wrestling experience with Will Cooling joining Benno. Then on Thursday, we've got the Royal Rumble preview for Patreon members on the Cafe Hangout with Jimmy Corderas joining us to preview the Royal Rumble. Plus, we have Up Next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman up on Thursday. Friday is the return of Ask Away on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Saturday night, NXT TakeOver Post Show. Sunday night, Royal Rumble Post Show. If you are a double-double member or higher, you can tune in live. Immediately after the Royal Rumble ends, you will be able to see me and Way's beautiful faces from the post office and, and you, watch. And you'll be able to call in. That is true. Skype, phone, we will be taking calls Sunday night after the Royal Rumble. I'm very excited. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we do that for the video patrons. So if you're listening live, uh, we'll give out the number in the chat room and you'll be able to... Uh, Interact with us and join the show. Have your thoughts voiced live in person. All right. So that will wrap things up. What are you looking forward to this weekend, Way? Besides my company. I think TakeOver will be fun. I, I Like I said, uh, the Rumble is one of my favorite, if not maybe my favorite show uh, of the year from the WWE. So I look forward to that very much. And of course, hanging out at your place. What are we going to eat, John? Are we going to order some, some, some food? Are we doing oh, something I- other than pizza this time? Uh, what would you? What do you feel like? What are you know? When it comes to ordering, it's um. Well, we should let the audience choose. I'm not letting them choose. They'll they'll send us something awful. Maybe we'll have a poll on the Patreon. <laughs> Maybe what should we order? Uh, I've got some bad news. We might have to watch it together on Sunday. Oh, that's great news. What do you mean? That'll be well, great. I, I, well, I know how we are. I'll, I'll keep my my words to a minimum. Maybe we'll be able to ask each other. We'll, we'll talk uh, three times an hour. No, come on. Maybe we'll just have a live camera on us the whole time. We to could. Give people the real experience. All right. Well, that's coming up Sunday. Also, uh, if you are tuning in live for the Cafe Hangout on Thursday, again, that is for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Jimmy Corderas, and we're also going to open it up. I want to take some Royal Rumble predictions from people on Thursday's show. So uh, lots to cover on Thursday's show. Excellent. That's it, everybody. Postwrestling.com is your home all week long. Every single day, every week of the year, but especially this one. And if you want to join the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can do so. PostWrestlingCafe.com. That will get you the double shot on Tuesday night, Cafe Hangout on Thursday, and uh, Ask Away on Friday as we go through uh, an enormous, enormous mailbag. I have it right here. It's a lot of snail mail we got. We will go through each and every one answering all of your questions. So that is it. Good night, everybody. And if you are in Canada, stay warm.